Hello, and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of Harvest Church here in Elk Grove. We're excited to have you join us as we share God's message of hope and love. Each week, we bring you a new message from our pastors and guest speakers designed to inspire, uplift your spirits, and challenge you. Whether you're listening on your commute, at home, or on a walk, we hope these messages will bring you closer to God and help you on your faith journey. So without further ado, let's listen in. just thank you for this sweet worship and the sweet presence of God that's in this room. God, worship has the power to shift atmospheres and environments. And God, we thank you that we can come into the house of God and worship you and bring you glory and magnify and exalt you, Lord. You're so faithful. You're so glorious and so wonderful, Lord God. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Praise God. If you don't mind, just stand with me as we read the word of God for today's message. The title of today's message. (laughs) The title of today's message is called Cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Look at your neighbor and say, Cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Acts chapter 10 and verse 1 says this in Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming towards him. Cornelius, the angel said, and Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? And the angel asked the Lord, uh, and the angel replied, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you would enlighten the eyes of our understanding, that we might know you more. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to perceive what you're saying, that we might turn and be healed. I pray for supernatural grace to receive the word of God, to walk in the word of God, and to live out the word of God. Let us be uh, not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And God, I pray as you challenge us to go to the next level and do things we've not done before, I pray that by faith we would step into that place in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ. So we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people say it. Amen and amen. You may be seated today. Praise God. I want to talk to you about cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Look at someone around you and say, cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to say this because this is so important. As we've read through the book of Acts and as we are are preaching and teaching about the Holy Spirit these last couple of months, uh, I have to give a shout out to my wife. My baby helped me with my sermon, amen. So if anything goes well, it was because the Holy Spirit and my wife came alongside of me to help with the sermon, amen. Praise God, I'm gonna get the stake tonight. So I'm, amen, I'm doing, I'm doing good. I'm moving in the right direction, amen. So um, 
As we're teaching and preaching about the Holy Spirit, one of the things that really popped out to me is the level to which people cooperated with the Holy Spirit in the Bible was the level to which God was able to do astronomical, phenomenal, unbelievable things. See, the first couple of sermons were about who's the Holy Spirit, what does he do, what's his impact on the church, why is he important, and all of those things are valuable and we must know them. But now the twist in this sermon is how do we come in alignment and work with the Holy Spirit? See, when we talk about cooperation, operating with someone. We're talking about falling in alignment and working with someone to a degree that it is beneficial, mutually beneficial to both parties. And when we talk about cooperating with the Holy Spirit, we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of creation. He was the one in Genesis chapter one who hovered over the face of the deep and he was the spirit of creation. He was the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. So there is no limitation to the Holy Spirit. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere present at the same time. So he has no limits or limitations. We are the one with the limitations. However, when we as people partner with the unlimited one, then we begin to do great and significant things because we're partnering with the presence and the power of the limitless God. Can I give a good amen? And see, here's the beauty. The Holy Spirit is the great equalizer because it doesn't matter where you come from, what's your backdrop, what's your background, what's your social economic status. If you partner with the Holy Spirit, he's able to take you and do things with you and through you that you could not do in your own ability, power, or strength. Amen? Amen. We need the Holy Spirit. We need his power. We need his presence. And I want to give you three scenarios. I want to give you a situation that means there was a problem. Look at your neighbor say there was a problem. Then I want to show you how the believer in the Bible cooperated with the Holy Spirit. And then finally, I want to show you the outcome. So we have a situation, we have a cooperation, and then we have an outcome. And this works all the time, that no matter what the situation is in our lives, the Holy Spirit is fully aware of what we're going through. Amen? That's why you need to stop talking to people around you and find out what the Holy Spirit has to say about the matter. All right, yeah, I'm sorry. I started early. I'm, I'm, I'm getting out. I'm acting up early. Thank you, babe. Praise God. <laughs> we need to find out what the Holy Spirit is saying because he has the solution to whatever problem we're facing and whatever thing that we're dealing with. Amen. Praise God. Let's read in the book of Acts. So here's the situation that they had. At this particular time in church history, and I just read to you about Caesarea, and I read to you about Cornelius, but Peter the apostle is at a man's house named Simon the tenor. Peter is there. He is waiting on the roof of the house. He's about to uh, get something to eat. And at this particular time in church history, the only people who had come into a knowledge of Jesus Christ were the Jews and the Samaritans. The Jews were God's people. The Samaritans were half Jews, half Gentiles, but they still believed in Moses and the law of Moses and all of those things. Excuse me. And they did not believe that Gentiles or non-believers were able to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
So God deals with Peter about going to a place of unclean Gentiles that he was forbidden to deal with and preach the gospel to them. He talked to them about dealing with people that he should not be dealing with. That was the situation. Let's read Acts chapter 10 and verse 9. It says, the next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing a town, Peter went up to a flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. The sheet, uh, the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then the voice said to him, Peter, kill and eat them. Get up, kill, and eat them. And Peter said, no, Lord, I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. I'm going to say that again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times, and the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. And he said, what could this vision mean? Just in the men sent by Cornelius, Simon, uh, Cornelius found Simon's house standing outside the gate, and they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over this vision. The Holy Spirit said to him, three men are coming looking for you. He said, get up and go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you are looking for. Why have you come? When we talk about cooperating with the Holy Spirit, we're talking about being in the situation where God most likely will ask you to do something that you're uncomfortable with. Can I get amen? God is not going to ask you to do something that you're comfortable with because if you are comfortable doing it, then you don't need God. Hello, somebody. And you don't need God to do what you do a hundred times a day. But when you step into a place where you're faced with a situation that's outside of your comfort zone, then you need God. You have to pray to God. You have to call upon the Lord. You have to ask the Lord to help you. And that's exactly what God is doing with Peter. He said, Peter, I'm going to send you to the house of Gentiles. I'm going to send you to a place where you do not believe that the people can even be saved and I'm going to ask you to preach the gospel. I'm going to send you where your fellow countrymen, your Jewish believers will question the very act of you going to this household and I'm going to put you in an uncomfortable place. Oh, it's quiet in this church right now. See, because God is going to put you in a place that's uncomfortable because God can't do anything in you unless he's willing to put you in a place where you are dependent upon him and you must lean on him by faith. Amen? Many of us are saying, God, use me, do something with me. But God says, step into this uncomfortable place. And you say, well, God, I wasn't planning on all of that now. I didn't ask for all of that. I mean, can't you give me a silly posturepedic and a puffed-up pillow and make life really comfortable and then ask me to do? God's not trying to put you in the comfort zone. God's pushing you outside of your comfort zone because the miracles is on the other side of the place of comfort. I can only imagine Pastor Randy and the crew 
being in the room with Pastor Jeff, I mean, Brother Jeff, brother, I don't know if I'm prophesying over you right now, but over Brother Jeff and laying hands on him, knowing that he has a fracture in his skull, that he's not going to be able to fly back with the team, and knowing that he's going to be stuck in Mexico and the impact of that on the entire team, his family, and on the church. And yet, in that uncomfortable place, they laid hands on him, and they declared by the stripes of Jesus Christ, you are healed. God is a healer. He is a deliverer, and he can restore your fractured skull, and he can bring you back home the same way you came home you will leave and go back home whole amen it is in the uncomfortable place that miracles happen look at your neighbor say do you want a miracle and tell them then get ready to get uncomfortable <laughs> amen <laughs> How did Peter cooperate with the Holy Spirit? Peter went into this uncomfortable situation. And here's the reality. Peter dealt with people that didn't look like him, who didn't eat the same food that he ate, nor were they permitted to worship in the same places he worshiped. Peter would have gone to the temple or synagogue to worship with other Jewish believers, but the Gentiles would have never been permitted to enter those places even if they desired to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yet Peter followed the leadership of the Holy Spirit and went into a home of someone he had previously considered unclean. It was against the law. It was against his culture. It was against everything he believed. It was everything that he was taught. It was everything he was raised to follow to go into the house of Cornelius this unclean Gentile and preach to him about Jesus Christ he was breaking his cultural traditions by going into Cornelius's house but he didn't do it because he was trying to be rebellious he was doing it because the Holy Spirit was leading him into an uncomfortable place to do something that was outside of his comfort zone Amen? And I really sense and believe that in this season, the Holy Spirit is knocking on the door of some people's hearts and say, I'm asking you to step into an uncomfortable place and do things that you are not accustomed to doing. And the difference between if we stay stuck or we experience a miracle is if we will step out in obedience even when we don't understand the why that God's asking us to do what he's calling us to do. See, some of us need to get off of our high horses. And we need to stop questioning God and waiting for 50 answers to come before we say yes. It is not faith if you know all the answers to the question. It is faith when you don't know why God wants you to do it, but you do it anyway. God told Abraham, leave your country, leave your land, leave your culture, and go to a land that I will show you. God didn't even tell him where he was going. He said, just get up and go, and then I'll show you where you're supposed to go once you get close to it. That's why he's called the father of faith, 
because he didn't sit down like, Lord, well, let me interview you and ask you, Lord, where are we going? How many miles will it take to get there? How many camels do I need to have? How many clothes do I need to pack? Who do I need to bring? Who do I need to leave behind? How much food? He didn't ask those questions. He said, God, I will go and obey you and then figure out what's supposed to happen because I trust you. Amen? I'm going to get into your business real quick. I feel like the reason why God can't use some of us is because he can't trust us to go when he tells us to go. God is saying go, and then we're like, no, Lord, I need some answers before I go. And God says, no, you need to go, and then the answers will come. Come on, it's quiet in this holy place. (laughs) We need to stop trying to get answers, and we need to act in obedience. Amen? Amen. Come on, parents, doesn't it drive you nuts when you tell your kids and your teenagers to do something and they ask why, 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 why? Because I said so. (laughs) And if it annoys you when your kids do it, how much more does it annoy the spirit of God when you continue to question him and doubt him and interrogate him instead of obey him? Some of us act like trained interrogators instead of obedient children. Mm. No. And we wonder why we're missing the miracles of God. We say stuff like, God, I want to see what I saw in brother so-and-so life or sister so-and-so life. And God's saying, well, you're not obeying me like they're obeying me, so you can't see the same level of miracles. (laughs) They didn't interrogate me before they went. They went in obedience and I bless them. You want a 50-page plan laid out before you go, and it's just not going to happen. Ooh, I'm stepping on some toes today. I'm sorry, this is not even in my notes. <laughs> toes have been torn. Hey, ushers, please, let's get some ice to give to the people for the toes when they leave to go out in the lobby amen we're giving out free ice bags after service praise jesus what was the outcome what was the outcome of peter stepping out of his comfort zone to go somewhere where he had never been before you got to remember peter had never in his life stepped foot in the household of a non-jew in his life and god is not only telling him to step and meet one person he's going in into an entire household to preach the gospel what was the outcome acts 10 44 through 48 even as peter was saying these things he preached the gospel to him and as he was preaching The Bible says the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message and the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking with other tongues and praising God. And Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And afterwards, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. Here's the reality. 
And in some of the Middle Eastern and Eastern cultures, when the person was baptized, they had to renounce the false gods that they served. They had to renounce their cultural religion. And sometimes the, their families would actually conduct a funeral to say that you are dead to us because you've rejected our gods, our culture, and our ways to follow this Jesus Christ. Peter was doing something that had such a level of significance by water baptizing them but he says how can we deny them water baptism because they got filled with the same Holy Spirit that we got and the only way the Holy Spirit could baptize someone was for them to first be saved so he was acknowledging that the very people that we as Jews believe could not be saved are not only saved but they got filled with the spirit that we received in the beginning and not we're going to make a public declaration of their faith by water baptizing them knowing that this is against the entire culture that we are currently in. Peter was willing to step out of his comfort zone to see things that he had never seen before. Amen? It's easy to complain, but it's harder to do. It's easy to complain about what we don't like, but it's harder to step out of the boat and act in faith knowing that the God of miracles will be with us as we step out on faith, not as we seek to be comfortable. Woo! Yes. God is not offering you a a silly posturepedic in your act of obedience. Amen. Posturepedics are supposed to be very comfortable mattresses, as I have been told. God's not signing you up for posturepedic ministry. He's signing you up for a ministry of obedience and faith and trust and dependency upon him. But here's the reality. Not every time that you're obedient to God, people are going to be happy with your acts of obedience. Amen. I wish that Peter got offered a bag of gummy bears and a Coca-Cola in his act of preaching the gospel to these Gentiles, but he didn't get gummy bears and a Coca-Cola ice cold, but he got, he had, he received some persecution from his countrymen because they questioned, why would you go into the house of this Gentile? Chapter 11 and verse one says this. Soon the news reached the apostles and the other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. Right there, the church in Jerusalem should have been rejoicing that redemption and salvation came to these Gentile heathens. But instead of them rejoicing, they did the opposite. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, verse 2, the Jewish believers criticized him. They didn't rejoice that people were saved. They criticized him because he went to their house. And they said to him, you entered the home of a Gentile and even ate with them? Peter, what are you doing? Look at your neighbor and say, what are you doing? Come on. That's what they're going to say to you when you start obeying God. Woo, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm obeying God. What are you doing? I'm being obedient. What are you doing? I'm walking in faith. What are you doing? 
There may be criticism on the other side of your obedience. I don't want you to be fooled and think that everybody's going to smile and be excited when you obey God. Mm. But can I say this? Don't be like those people. Don't be the criticizers. Be the ones who say, you know what? I don't understand what God's doing in your life, but I'm praying for you, and I'm believing that God's going to reveal it and make it clear. That's a much better place to be than to be in the place of a hater. Oh, uh, uh, I'm so, I'm so. <laughs> Brother Verley, get the bag, get the ice bags, they, the ice bags, the toes, get the ice bags, please. Go to verse 11. Let me show you what happened, and then I'm going to wrap up this message. And I have a part two for next week, by the way. Amen. Or cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Verse 11 says, uh, this is Peter recapping what happened to let his countrymen know what was going on. He said, just then three men who had been sent from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were staying. And the Holy Spirit told me to go with them and not to worry that they were Gentiles. Verse 12, who told him to go? The Holy Spirit said go. Peter didn't step out on his own and create and make up his own thing. He was following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He said, these six brothers here accompanied me, and soon we entered the home of a man who sent for us. And he told us how an angel had appeared to him in his home and sent messengers to Joppa to summon a man named Simon Peter. Go to verse uh, 15. He said, as I began speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he fell on us at the beginning. And then I thought, the Lord's, I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gifts that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? Who was I to stand in the way of the Lord? If God is doing something I don't understand, if God is doing something that doesn't make sense to me, if God is doing something that is beyond my limited life experience, who am I to stand in the way of the Lord? You have not lived all life. You've not been exposed to all things, and you are not omnipotent. You are not all-knowing. God can do something beyond what you know, and guess what? It is God just because it doesn't make sense to you. I don't know who I'm talking to today. This is a totally different message from service number one. Come on. God's trying to speak to somebody in this place today. Hmm. Verse 18, and when the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. And they said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. The Jews did not believe that Gentiles could be saved. They didn't believe that they could be saved. And now Peter stepped out of the boat, obeyed the Holy Spirit, and now what they previously thought was impossible now has become possible. 
There are things that have previously seemed impossible, and they will only become possible when you step out of the boat by faith, obey the Lord, and do the thing that other people around you may not be willing to do. Stop looking around to wait for anybody else to do it. You be the one that go first and say, Lord, I'm Judah, the tribe of Judah. The Bible says Judah goes first. They are the leaders. They're the ones that's willing to do what others may not be willing to do. What's the application to this? To break, just now here's the issue. This was a cultural, racial thing. To break the back of racism, we must be willing to go places that we would not go and deal with people we most likely would not deal with. The Holy Spirit not only broke the racial attitude off of Peter and his companions, but he challenged the first century church. The Holy Spirit dealt with the issue of racism not through secular means, but through the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? My whole life, I've always felt like I was destined to bring people together from a cultural standpoint. People of different cultures and different backgrounds and different races. When I was 17 years old, God gave me a vision and a desire to travel the nations of the world and to be with different cultures and people. And I had not been exposed to any of those things, but it was a seed that he planted in my heart almost 30 years ago. And here I am in this day and age pastoring one of the most culturally diverse churches in Northern California. It is a privilege, amen. It is a privilege and an honor to pastor this church. Harvest Church looks like heaven. We have all people, tribes, and tongues represented in this church. It's beautiful. I feel like I'm at the United Nations. I look around, I see all these colors and, and skin tones, and you know, most of y'all smell good and look good on Sundays, praise God. <laughs> Amen. 99.9%. You always have that 1% that didn't put the deodorant on, but that's all right. We love you anyway. Amen. But I believe part of the reason why God has allowed me to be a part of such a diverse group of people is because God has tested me in a very difficult way when it comes to race and racial things and different cultures and different backgrounds and beliefs. I want to tell you this real quick as I close my sermon. Maybe about six years ago, I met this man at the conference, this conference that we go to uh, often throughout the years. And I went to this conference and I met this brother and this brother was so awesome. We connected and he served and he blessed and we connected. And every time I needed something, I would go to this brother. I'm like, man, this brother is so awesome. He's a servant. He loves God. He loves people. His pastor happened to be a minority. You know, so I'm like, man, this brother is down. This is like, I mean, he was a Caucasian guy, but I'm thinking like he is, this guy is an awesome guy. So I knew him for five years, hung out with him, worked with him, came alongside of him. And then in year five, everybody say year five. 
Somebody pulled me to the side. They said, man, you know that brother that's been serving you? I said, yeah. They said, he has such an awesome testimony. I'm like, yeah, what's his testimony? They said, well, previous to him coming to the Lord, he used to be in the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> wait, 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 no, no. All right, no, I know you was telling me about this testimony, but I, I had like some, like water in my ears because I went swimming yesterday, I stayed in the shower too. All right, repeat that to me again. So you're saying his testimony before he was saved was what again? Now go ahead and run that by me one more time. They say, yeah, he used to be in the Ku Klux Klan. I said, like the same, like the KKK Ku Klux, like, <laughs> like I'm not missing acronym, like the, the Ku Klux, like the white sheep. You're like, yeah, he used to be in the Ku Klux Klan. I said, wow, whoa, yeah, that's that's a that's a testimony, amen. Woo, woo, testimony. And I remember when I got home, the Lord asked me a question. He said, son. He said, now that you know his past, will you treat him differently the next time that you see him at the conference next year? <laughs> see, because the Lord, and, and let me know, because the Lord, uh, we're talking about being outside of our comfort zones. The Lord didn't stop there. He, the Lord has some more questions for me. I just want you to know that. The Lord said to me, he says, son, in the five years you've known him previous, has he ever shown you any racial attitudes towards you because you're black and he's white? And I was like, oh, no, Lord, he, he's never. He said, have you ever seen him discriminate or treat anybody that was black or Hispanic or Asian in any racial or prejudiced way? I said, no, Lord, I haven't. So, God, so when the next time you see him next year, son, I'm asking you the question, how are you going to treat him? Because what I have made clean, you are no longer to call unclean. Lord, he was in the Ku Klux Klan and God says the same blood that redeemed him from operating in the Klan is the same blood that redeemed you and cleansed you from your sins and your unrighteousness. Because the Holy Spirit was bringing me to school. He said, son, you can't pick and choose what forms of sin is okay to forgive and what forms you reject because they may make you uncomfortable. I was like, oh, Jesus. Oh. The Lord said, didn't you want to be a person that reconciled people racially? Like, yeah, Jesus. You couldn't have started me off with like some lightweight racism. <laughs> I mean, like racism light. Like we could have started like, you know, brother put a post on Facebook that was questioned. Like, let's start there, Jesus. You took me all the way to the clan. I mean, <laughs> Woo! And I saw the brother last year and God just touched my heart and he said, you know what? His pastor is a minority. You know what level of humility it takes for someone in the Ku Klux Klan to be under the pastoral leadership of a minority for a decade? He says, son, the proof is in the pudding. 
this guy's not acting like he's repented of his sins. He is walking it out and submitting himself to the spiritual leadership of a minority. And here's the reality. Today, there are more people who are in the relationship with Jesus Christ who are non-Jews than those who are Jews. And it all started because Peter made the decision to go into a house of an unclean Gentile and preach the gospel so that the nations could be saved and come and know Jesus Christ. God made him uncomfortable, but his discomfort led to the salvation of hundreds of millions of non-Jews. Next year, we're going to have an election cycle. Next year, we're going to be voting on whoever the president is going to be. And I want to ask you a question. The people that you've been going to Starbucks with, hanging out with, uh, you know, eating dumplings with and, and uh, in and out burgers with, the same people next year are going to be someone that's potentially on the other side of the political spectrum than you are. And I want you to remember who they were when you were eating that in and out burger with them and treat them according to who they are, not according to to a political dispensation. Half of y'all clapping, the other half look like you want to punch me in the eyeball right now. Martin Luther King said, we don't deal with people according to the color of their skin, but of the content of their what? One of the biggest things that we did at House of Prayer, when all of the stuff was kicking off and it was like, are you red or you blue? Where you stand? I said, wait a minute. I said, you remember that person was at your house two months ago and you were baking brownies together? I said, remember that person. That's who they are. I said, don't get amnesia all of a sudden because what's happening on television or social media got us twisted and causing division. The church should be the place where when people come, they say, you know what? That is the most unified place in Elk Grove and in Sacramento because they are representing the love of Christ above a political party or the backdrop of what they believe politically. Because I want to tell you this, I double check, I triple check, but neither Neither a Republican or a Democrat died on the cross for my sins and redeemed me from the curse of the law, but Jesus Christ did. And I'm not laying my life down for a political party, but I will lay it down for the one who died for me, forgave me, and healed me and cleansed me of my sins. Racism existed thousands of years ago, and it's all over the Bible. But I believe we have the opportunity to model mercy and forgiveness. And I'm not saying racism don't, man, racism is so rampant. People acting crazy, talking crazy. I saw a rebel flag on the pickup truck in California. I'm like, I thought I left that in Louisiana. What's going on out here on the West Coast? 
I'm like, what? Like, bring that stuff back. Racism is real. But are we going to be the ones that overcome racism through the act of love? Are we going to be the ones that say, I love my brother and my sister for who they are, not the bumper sticker on the back of their vehicle or the sign that's in the front of their yard? Oh, it's quiet in this holy place. I believe that guy that was in the Ku Klux Klan for those five years, every racial lie and deception that he believed that caused him to join the Klan for five years, God put me in his life to say what you believed about black people is not real. What you were taught about black people are not real. But God cannot use that in his life if I don't act like Jesus. When you go to your work, your jobs, your school, your colleges, your high school, act like Jesus. Act like Jesus. People may not like you just because of what you look like, but you know what? Make it so hard on them that they have to go back and question themselves. Say, I don't have a reason to not like them. It has to be me because it's definitely not them. (laughs) It has to be me because it's not them because everything about them, they love me, they respect me, they treat me graciously. It has to be me. God, what's wrong with me? And they will pull you to the side, say, why are you different? Because every other Asian, every other Hispanic, every other black person, every flip it, every other white person that I've met, you are nothing like them. What's different than you can say is Jesus. It's G- Well, I know others who go to church. No, 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 no. See, this thing for me is real. I don't play religion. I really have a relationship with Jesus. I was sitting in my house minding my own business yesterday just trying to be a good Christian just trying to love Jesus and Lord says tomorrow when you preach this message I want you to tell the Ku Klux Klan story and go there I'm like God that's not in my notes I'm like, no, no, that's not in my notes, Jesus. He said, yeah, I want you to go there. I'm like, ooh. He said, you better talk to your people then. <laughs> Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just dropping the package off, amen. <laughs> Y'all go talk to Jesus about he's responsible for this one. Amen. Y'all stand with me, please. God is good. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. We pray that today's message has touched your heart and encouraged your spirit. We believe that the Word of God has the power to transform our lives and inspire us to be better versions of ourselves. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with your friends and family. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more inspirational messages. Until next time, may the good Lord bless you. And we look forward to seeing you at one of our weekend services and sharing with you once again next week.